0: First, I want to start off by saying this podcast isn't monetized, so I'm not making any money or profit off it. I am simply doing this to help me get everything off my chest and move on. Um, Talking about things helps me move on, um, process, and just put it behind me. And in like fashion, I will probably delete this as I do with everything else of mine, simply because... I just, I don't know, once I've moved on past something or I'm, I, I've am i put it behind me, I tend to erase it and wipe all memory of it. I don't know, if that's just how I am. So, I, I'm just sharing this to, yeah, help me move on, I guess. Um, At the start of the year, around February or March, my friend Santiago and I discussed going to visit his family in Colombia um we had spoken about it for quite some time he hadn't seen his family in three years and he was really excited to go see them and I said you know what let's do it I had already planned to travel quite a lot this year so a trip to Colombia wouldn't have hurt um so we booked our tickets to Colombia, maybe around April or May. This was way before my trip to Europe and my trip to America. I had agreed to go to Colombia way before any of that travel, that, those travel plans that I had, had made on my own. So Santiago and I wanted to go to Colombia together to see his family, um, visit his country. He was so excited to see his country and be back home again. And I was, you know, I love traveling, so I was so down to go with him. And I said, yeah, let's do it. I'm definitely interested. After I got back from America, um, I met up with Santiago, my friend, and I don't know. He's, he wasn't himself. He wasn't the person that I knew. Just before our Columbia trip. Um, he had struggled a lot during COVID during lockdown. I live in the suburbs, he lives in the city. He and I, we kind of fall back on each other or fell back on each other. Um, he didn't really have a great deal of those types of friends that do check up on you. He definitely had his girlfriends, but you know, those friends that are constantly checking up on you, constantly making effort to go see you, go out of their way to see you. He didn't really have that. So COVID was really hard. And of course, during lockdown, those two years, two and a half years that we did during lockdown were really tough on him and they definitely changed him as a person. Um, so he was so excited to go back to colombia he he couldn't wait he started to resent this city he he just he couldn't wait to get out of here and I understand you know being so far away from family, not having many people to check up on you hurts, so I did my best to keep up with him and keep in contact with him and always make effort to drive out to the city to see him. I mean, it's not a long drive at all. It's a 45-minute drive. It's whatever. You know, I love driving. So I did all I could to make effort to see him while he was here in Sydney. And I loved spending time with him. So, you know, any chance we got to hang out, it was always a blast. So I did my best to make him feel, you know, loved and accepted um, and all those things. Irregardless of that, when somebody is over it, you're just over it. If you want to get out of a place, you're just ready to go. Um, and he was just so excited to go back home to see his family. Um, so I managed to organise my new work start day because I started a new job um, right after the Colombian trip. So... Everything fell into place quite well. I came back from America, had a few weeks to relax and reset. And then I had a couple of weeks with Santiago in Colombia. And then I was to come back to Australia and start my new job. So our original plan was to go to America for a few days and then go to Colombia. So we landed in Los Angeles. It was his first time. I took him to Universal Studios, which he absolutely loved. A friend of mine who works there um hooked us up with some tickets, which was really nice. We went on some rides, we had a great time. I know he had a blast because it was his first time and we he was super excited to be in Los Angeles. So I showed him around just for a few days. And I didn't publicize this trip because I didn't want to commit to anybody to kind of, you know, give out false hope and, you know, set set up plans with people knowing that I wasn't going to be able to um, make those plans, especially because I was with my friend and it was his first time in America, I really wanted him to have a good time and focus on him and give my attention to him and show him around, etc. So he had a great time there, and then we did about three days in Los Angeles, and then we we flew to Colombia, and when we got to Colombia... It was uh, chaotic. The whole trip was absolutely chaotic. I don't know what it... The whole time I was there, something felt like... I had a gut feeling the whole trip something was going to happen. I don't know what it was, but something in my heart of hearts was like, This isn't a normal trip. I'm not going to go into too much detail because there are a lot of personal things that I don't want to talk about or address or make public because quite frankly, that's just personal information and private information and out of respect for him and his family, it's just not necessary to talk about. But that whole trip, I felt like something was going to happen. I felt like something was going to go wrong. That whole trip was bizarre. Just from the get-go, something something was going to happen. I don't know what it was. It just was not right. Something was not right. I don't know how much information I want to share, but I just want to talk about this just to get it off my chest because I just need to put it behind me already because it's sitting really heavy on my chest and has been for weeks. Um, He was not himself he was not himself, the whole trip was just erratic, it was erratic, he was so excited to be back home, which I, which I, you know, was so happy about, but there were things that just did should not have, happen, have had happened, there was a lot of things going on that just didn't make sense, that I didn't know what was happening, I don't speak the language, I don't know what was going on, he was my bridge and my connection between, you know, me and whomever else was there. You know, I was using a translator a lot of the time. Um, So he was like my person there. He was my guide, you know, my tourist guide. Like I was there with him in a foreign country visiting his family and his friends because we did visit his friends. Whether I like his friends or not is another conversation, which I won't have. But let's just say I'm not a huge fan of them. The trip was so strange. It was meant to be a beautiful trip, it was meant to be a very beautiful relaxing holiday but there were so many strange occurrences that I I felt really uncomfortable. Don't get me wrong, his family's absolutely beautiful and I love them and I still stay in touch with them but there were other things that were recurring that just did not make sense that made me very uncomfortable. So, a few days into Colombia, we had reached maybe a week into the trip. Uh, maybe seven days, eight days it had been total traveling. Um, I, I was quite tired from all the traveling. And he and I were, you know, going out a lot, quite a bit. Going for long drives. You know, um, Colombia is very hilly, very mountainy, very... Um, I mean, Medellin is in the middle of mountains, so the gravitational pool or I'm not sure what, what it was, but it's basically they've built a city in between mountains. Um, so I just, I would find myself very fatigued, very tired. So th- there came a day on like the seventh or eighth day where I just needed a nap, I needed to sleep because I was just so tired, um, and my body was just, I don't know, it was just shutting down, I was just so, so tired, so I, I took a nap, um, at his parents' place where we stayed, because his parents let us stay with them, he, he had bought them their home after working super hard in Australia, um, he earned, you know, every dollar he earned, he worked so hard for it, he was a really hard worker, so, He worked tirelessly to, you know, set his parents up. So he brought them a home in Colombia. So when we visited, we stayed there with them. I took a nap around midday. Prior to that nap, I had FaceTimed him and I, you know, because I know he had wanted to go out and get us some food. So he had got into his car and left. I climbed into bed and then he FaceTimed me. And he's like, all right, I'll go get us some food. You take a nap. I was like, okay, that sounds good. And then he was like to me, my chest really hurts. I said, oh, if your chest really hurts, maybe we should, you know, maybe we should go see a doctor. Um, you know, come, come pick me up. Let's go to see a doctor. We'll take your parents with us. Let's go check it out. He's like, no, no, I'll be fine. I'm like, what is it? Like, what does it feel like? He's like, I don't know. I'm just finding it hard to breathe. I was like, oh, okay. Um. Maybe we should go see a doctor. And he's like, no, no, I'm okay. One thing about my friend is he was so stubborn. So, 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 so stubborn, you know. He he thought he was invincible, which is something I actually admired about him. Nothing really affected him. If anything, the reason why we got along so well was I was the drama queen and he was really chill, very zen a lot of the time. So, you know, if he was unwell, he would have just brushed it off and be like, it's whatever, I'll be okay. I'm sure it's nothing. I'm like, Tim, but if, you know, if you're struggling to breathe, maybe you should go see a doctor. Like, come on, like, let's go. And he was like, no, no, I'll be okay. I was like, this guy is so stubborn. A part of the, uh, a lot of the guilt I feel is because I was giving it to him really hard on that trip. I felt like I was being really mean and very, um, very blunt, very direct. If I didn't like something, I would tell him. But I'm that type of friend. I give a lot of tough love. Like if if you're doing something I don't like, I will tell you. Um, and if I feel like you're not, you know, doing things that are good for you or for your health or are positive, you know, for your life and well being, I will tell you. And I I'm very direct in that sense. I keep it very very straightforward, very blunt. I don't beat around the bush. So if you're doing something that bothers me that I think is actually not benefiting you, I will tell you. So a lot of the guilt I feel is because I was giving it to him so hard on that trip. Like I was just telling him exactly how I felt about certain things that I didn't like or didn't that I saw that I didn't like. And I just, I, I felt really bad after it all, all happened because I was like, damn, like I hope he knows he was out of love. I hope he knows it was only with good intention. I hope he knows that I only said those things because, you know, I love and care for him and it wasn't because I was trying to be a bitch or trying to be mean, which is never the case. Some people just need to be told directly, you know, this is not good for you, you shouldn't be doing this, like, just chill the fuck out. So I I feel a lot of guilt about that, but that guilt is slowly going away as I realize, you know, I know he knows that it was out of love, I know he knows that. he 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 refused to go to the doctor. So I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna take a nap. Um, I'll see you soon. You know, take care, be safe, love you, goodbye. And we hung up on the FaceTime. I woke up and the sun had set. It was quite dark and I, and there was no one home. Maybe it was around five or 6 p.m., I think. 6.30, I don't know. I fell back asleep again for a little while. And I remember waking up. His parents were waking me up, uh, shaking my leg, gently and tapping me. Um, and his parents had walked in. They didn't even turn on the lights. I just had the curtain open and the only light in the room was coming from the moon outside. Um, I'll never forget that moment. His mum was just saying... Elias, Elias, and Santiago, something rather. I don't speak Spanish, so I, I actually didn't know what they were trying to tell me. Um, I had no idea what they were trying to tell me. And I had just woken up from a long nap. You know that feeling when you wake up after a long nap and you have no idea what's going on? And you're just you know all over the place. You feel like you've woken up in, on another planet. And they were trying to convey something to me, and I just wasn't understanding what was going on. And they were like, Santiago, like Santiago this, Santiago that. I was like, sorry, I, I'm not understanding. Like, let me bring out my phone and my translator. And when I travel, I carry around this picture of Jesus with me everywhere. Whether people care to believe if I'm religious or not, well, that's it's their prerogative. It doesn't really bother me. But um, when I travel, I carry around this picture of Jesus with me everywhere in my luggage and also these rosary beads. I take them with me everywhere. On every trip I've ever been on, I've taken them with me. It's just a safety blanket. You know, some people carry around little good luck tokens, little items that they believe holds a lot of value to them. Um, some people take crystals. I take my picture of Jesus and some rosary reeds. And his mother was just pointing at the picture of Jesus and just saying, Santiago, like Santiago's there. And I looked at it and I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, And I grabbed the picture and I was like, what do you mean? What are you saying? She's like, Santiago. like, And then she started pointing at the ceiling. I was like, what? Is he on the rooftop? Like, should we go up to the rooftop? She's like, no, Santiago's like up there. Like, he's up there now. He's," And she was pointing at Jesus. She's like, he's there. Um, I just... I lost my shit, I lost my mind, there were so many thoughts running through my head, I um, I couldn't contain myself, I just got up slowly and walked to the kitchen, literally brushing past them, I, I just remember walking to the balcony and just looking out and it was so quiet and still and all the lights of the city were on because they had this amazing view of the city. And it was really dark. And I just stared out and I was like, this can't be happening. I walked back inside and they were sitting at the kitchen table and I sat down with them. And I said, what's going on? What's happened? And then she put it in a translator that he's had a heart attack, a cardiopulmonary something rather, his heart had given up and he had died. I was like what do you mean he died i just spoke to him like 30 minutes ago i had just spoken to him she's like what time did you speak to him i'm like i spoke to him at midday she's like yeah but it's 7 p.m i was like "Fuck, jesus this can't be happening like i was just i was just on the phone to him there were so many thoughts running through my mind so many different thoughts and i'm not going to go into too much detail but i was like i'm in another country i don't speak the language he was my connection to everything are they going to think that I did something? Are they going to think that I, I, you know, I'm the reason why this has happened. But his mother grabbed my hand and she held my hand and she was crying and she was like, she put it in the translator and she was like, Santiago really loved you and he really cared for you. And he wanted you to be here so bad with him. And after reading that, I just broke down. I just lost my mind. Like I just could not believe that this was happening. I could not believe that this was happening you don't go on a holiday with your friend and they die on the trip. That doesn't happen. In what world does that happen? It, it doesn't, it doesn't happen at all. Um, but it happened to me, I guess. It's so fucked up. It's so crazy. Like he was just, to me, he was invincible. To me, he wasn't someone that was ever going to die. Like I was like, and we would have these conversations and what's killing me is that he and I talked about this all the time. Like, if anyone was going to die, it would be me first. We would have those jokes between each other. He would call me a drama queen and he would tell me that if, you know, if you go, I go. Or, you know, I would make those jokes, like, I'm definitely going to be first out, because I'm so dramatic, and I get myself into the craziest situations, so there were so many thoughts running through my mind, I was like, what the fuck, like, Santiago, where are you, like, I can't, like, you can't be dead, like, what is going on, dude, like, like, I was waiting for him to call me, to walk back in the door, like, I just kept looking at the door, looking at my phone, I was like, I I texted him, and then I called him, and like, it rung out, and his mother was just, like, shaking her head, just like, like, don't, don't even bother. The police have been notified and they've already taken him away. That night, I barely slept. We had barely unpacked our luggage. His stuff was everywhere. Like, he, he had his open suitcase and all his things. And in the middle of the night, when his parents were asleep, I had walked over to his room and just went through all his stuff and I was like damn like this cannot be happening I had to contain myself because if I had an anxiety or panic attack in another country God help me like I had to control myself I had to compose myself and I told myself as I was standing in his room I was like you need to control yourself you need to organize think rationally but you also need to get the fuck out of there I know how much he loved his parents and how much he loved his family, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to stay there for a little bit longer out of respect for him because I know how much he loved his parents and I I know that he would have wanted me to stick around for a little longer and enjoy my time with them a little bit more and also see more of his city. But more than any of that, I had to stay for the funeral because I wasn't, when it first happened I was like fuck this I'm going home I want to go home the next day I'm jumping on the first flight out of here I want to get out but as I had time to think rationally that night after it happened like I stayed awake all night I was like we're really about to bury him like this is uh, like I'm actually about to bury my friend in another country so I just decided to stay for the funeral because I thought that that's the respectful thing to do the right thing to do and I know he would have appreciated that I mean, you can't just abandon your friends, I don't know, I don't fucking know, it was so, so crazy, Oh, just that night, I'll never forget it, I'll never forget it, just, it was the longest night, the darkest night, like, the night just lingered for hours, and I was just waiting for the sun to come up, I just, I was awake all night, I couldn't sleep, and I just kept walking past his room and I was like, I was just with you. Like, we were just at bowling the night before with all his family. His final Instagram post is a picture of him and me and all his family at bowling. Like, we were just at bowling together. I was just on FaceTime with you. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So I stayed around for the funeral, which was extremely hard. I think I broke down the most at the funeral. I had to get out of my system. I was like if I don't get it, if I don't get this out of my system now I'm going to take it back with me to Australia. So I needed to get all those feelings, all those emotions, all those tears out. So I broke down and um the funeral was so fucking hard. They do like an open casket there and I was like, That's not fucking happening. There's no way. There is no way in hell I was going to see my friend for the last time in an open casket. I was like, That's not happening. Sorry. And I walked out of the procession. I walked I waited outside until they all finished and paid their respects. Um and when they closed it I I paid my respects to I said a few words under my breath. I don't know, the whole thing is just fucking crazy. You can be with someone one minute and the next they're gone. You can be making dumb, ridiculous strokes with someone and the next minute those jokes come to life and it's actually real. I just don't understand how you can go on a holiday with someone and they fucking die, like what the hell, like what is that? He was so excited to be back in his country with his family. He was so excited to do things he hasn't done in years because he feels you know very isolated here in australia doesn't have many you know spanish-speaking friends any colombian friends or well, not many that i know so he was so excited to be back there like that was his home and he just died like what come on like that doesn't even happen like in what world does that happen that's so crazy So the funeral happened, and I left a couple of days after that. And um, I notified all his friends, as many as I could, all his girlfriends. I messaged them, called them. There are still people to this day messaging me about it, but you know what? I, I There's only... I physically and mentally cannot... I don't think I'm obligated to give people a unique phone call every time. I've said what I needed to say, I've posted on social media. I it's time for me to move on. Um and I couldn't access his phone because I forgot the PIN code. I know that when we were driving around the city many times he gave me his pin code to play music on his phone while he was driving but for the life of me after he died i could not remember the pin code at all so i couldn't really notify his friends and i couldn't access his phone um so i i just put it on social media because i didn't know what else to do and then a few days later a friend of mine who works at instagram reached out to me and he was asking if there was anything he could do to help which i thought was really sweet and i said well i'm actually trying to memorialize his instagram so I actually had his Instagram memorialized, which is basically when you visit their profile, it says remembering on it, and it notifies people that they've passed away. So I I, I tried to do my part in letting people know. That, I mean, there was only so much I could do. So I did that for him. Um, and then I flew back home to Australia. And since then, I've been working, keeping myself occupied, trying to move on. Obviously, there are moments where I get triggered, and I'm like, what the fuck, did that actually happen, but you know what, I'm so grateful and happy to be here, be home, be working, be alive, be present, be feeling all those emotions, being back at the gym, being around my family and my friends, I'm so happy, I'm so grateful, but I won't lie, like, it's been fucking hard, but, you know, I anticipate, you know, uh, like, uh, uh, I mean, I'll be okay. Like, that's life. I miss my friend a lot, but that's life. I don't know why it happened, but that's life. That's just how life works. A lot of things happen that don't make sense, and we just have to accept them. Anyone that knew him knew he loved life. He loved being out and about doing things. He was never one to just sit at home doing nothing. So I know he lived a very amazing life, and for that... You know, there is some closure there that I know he lived a very fabulous life. He loved his designer things. He loved expensive things. But more than that, he was the most humble person, you know. He was always giving, always caring. Um, and he just, he was full of love. And it just breaks me that this happened because he was so excited to you know, find love in the future, we would we would always talk about, you know, getting boyfriends and getting married and building a home, you know, for our partners and he was so excited to find love and start a family, um, he even wanted to start his own podcast, he, he was just so passionate about life, so it just really upsets me that he never got the chance to do any of those things, but that's just life, I guess. Um, If there's any way to end this, it's just... Please don't take life for granted. I have learned my lesson. I will never joke about life again. I will never make ridiculous jokes that diminish the purpose of life and the the invaluable... um, How how, how invaluable life is. It really is. Like, you cannot put a price tag on it. You cannot... None of us realize how valuable life really is like there is just it's so i don't know like like at any point it can be taken away from you live life to the fullest enjoy it love each other tell someone tell tell someone that you've always been wanting to tell that you love them hug someone kiss them Message someone that you've always been wanting to message. Life is so fucking short. Make sure every moment you live, you live it because you want to and how you want to. And that's how he lived. Anyway. Be well, guys. Take care. Bye bye.